You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, diffieford.net, and then on Instagram at diffiefordlincoln. This episode is presented by Citizens Bank of Edmund. Citizens Bank of Edmund has been serving Edmund since 1901. They pride themselves on investing in the community and are here for all your personal and business banking needs. For more information, go to mycitizens.bank and follow them on Instagram at citizensedmund, as well as Go bank there because I bank there too. It's been a fantastic personal experience for me. I've had my podcast account there now, my podcast business account there now for a few, four years now, I think. And it's been fantastic. So definitely worth your time. They're a great group of people and they're always there to answer the phone when I forget my password because I seem to forget it daily. Um, So yeah, go to Citizens Edmund and um, check them out. It's been awesome. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike and here, host, back with another episode. Excited to bring you, um, I think, our first ever pickleball professional athlete today on the podcast. Um, everyone knows what pickleball is. I think we've talked about it with previous guests before. Um, but yeah, today we're actually going to talk to an athlete about it. And I haven't played pickleball yet, but I'm going to have to start because my guest just brought me an awesome gift, uh, my first ever pickleball paddle. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Jenna Hesse to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming down and excited to dive into your story. Hey, Mike, excited to be here. Yeah, we've just been chatting a little before we press record. We know a lot of the same people and uh, seem to run around in similar circles. So uh, I don't know how we haven't bumped into each other yet, but it's good to sit with you. I'm glad you you sent me a pretty impressive resume to talk about. Um, Before we dive into that, though... I mean, current life right now. What have you been up to? Uh, So working for an oil and gas company is my uh, main full-time job. And then I joke that I have multiple part-time jobs. Uh, So this job funds those jobs. Yeah. Uh, So pickleball, CrossFit, uh, a bunch of traveling, and uh, just really enjoying being in Oklahoma. I've been here, gosh, it'll be three years this summer. So what do you enjoy so much about being here? Uh, it's, it seems like the perfect size town. I grew up in a small town, um, but I really like, again, I mentioned I like to travel, so you guys have a decent airport, but um, which is nice. I came from West Texas, which has nothing. Uh, but I love, I love the community. Uh, I love the people here. Uh, you can get anywhere in 20 minutes, um, and it's a pretty active community. I like that. I mean, it's always growing, and there's always something to do. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned oil and gas. Have you always kind of worked in the oil and gas industry? Yep. Same company, EOG okay. Resources, for uh, eight years now. Okay. I have a friend who works for them down in Odessa. Midland. Midland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been with them forever as well. I usually, when I drive, I drive down to New Mexico to play golf twice a year and I usually stop off with him on the way down. Uh, it's a huge company. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Based in Houston, uh, pretty big offices all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, so started with them out of college or grad school in Midland and now here in their Oklahoma City gotcha. office. So they, that's why you end up coming to Oklahoma mm-hmm. City was for a job. Yep. How did you feel about that at the time? Man, uh, I loved, I actually did love West Texas as much as I give it a hard time. Uh, again, the people make it. Yeah. And so I was really sad to leave that, um, but I was ready for a new adventure and ready to check out Oklahoma. Okay, it's cool. So as you mentioned, you have multiple part-time jobs. Um, pickleball is a huge, huge, huge um, 
thing for you takes a lot of your it's probably something you find a lot of zen and peace in mm -hmm. i know that's kind of a couple of buzzwords but that's what sport does to people and also your crossfit coach as well um big into the athletic side of things were you fairly into athletics from a very young age Yes, I was a raised only child, uh, so I joke that my dad made sure uh, I could throw football really well, have a great spiral, um, could fix anything, and also did dance and all that. So, um, yeah, I was always into sports, soccer, uh, track, tennis. Um, my mom played D1 tennis at the Air Force Academy. So come from, uh, get, get the genes from her. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was just raised, raised on a tennis family. So. Oh, wow. And was dad an athlete too? Uh, he was a multi-sport athlete. He didn't uh, play a sport in college. He also went to the Air Force Academy. He was a fighter pilot. So not a sport, but, uh, pr still pretty intense. Pretty big, uh, big, like family legacy to live yeah, up to, right? Dad's bit. a fighter pilot and mom's a college tennis player. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so I, I mean, Oh, God, I, I, one of my, I've said this multiple times on the podcast, and I'm going to speak it into existence at some point. I want my, one of my life bucket goals is to get a hot seat, backseat ride in a fighter jet. So I'm still working on that. I got plenty of time left, hopefully. <laughs> um, full Top Gun. So, so did dad travel around the world quite a bit then? Yes, they both did. So both my parents are lieutenant colonels uh, yeah. in the Air Force. Uh, they traveled a bunch and I was actually born in Germany okay. while they were stationed overseas and then moved around a ton with them when I was younger, um, but mostly ended up in Pennsylvania. Okay. So that's where the love of travel comes from. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yep. And you didn't want to go down that route of being in the Air Force? Um, I, I, I joke with them that I served for 18 years uh, <laughs> <laughs> being a military brat. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to kind of do my own thing. Um, I have great respect for the military and anyone that's in it, but uh, kind of wanted to pave my own path. Okay, cool. And, and obviously, your only child, dad teaches you how to fix a lot of things and throw a spiral, but there isn't much room back, you know, 18, when you were being a kid growing up to be a female in the football world. So, no doubt you follow mums like you're going to play tennis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah. So they, uh, they supported me, um, you know, pursuing tennis. I played a bunch of junior tournaments. Uh, my dad was my actual tennis coach. Mm -hmm. So he coached me and then my mom was the one that traveled with me to tournaments. Okay. Uh, we had a small family tennis business growing up. That was my main job. I got my teaching certification when I was young. Okay. Uh, so we all, we all did it together. It was, uh, it was our family thing. Yeah. So that also ties into why you coach CrossFit now, because you've always kind of coached something from a young age. Yeah, I, uh, I take a lot after my parents. They um, they did a lot of recruiting for the Air Force Academy, so they mentored a lot of kids. So um, I'd like to think I was around two of the best coaches, uh, yeah. in my opinion. And so I learned a lot from them, and that's my love of coaching. Yeah. Do you... I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, like, kids growing up now. What you know? Do you think that every, every child growing up now should spend time in the military? Or just around that kind of structure to give you, I mean, obviously it's giving you your work ethic and your parents did a great job of doing that. Yeah, I, I think the, the work ethic and the, um, the respect, you know, the honesty, integrity, I mean, those that was huge. That was growing up um, for me. I remember one time I had a really bad practice, uh, tennis practice, and I was frustrated. I had a bad day at school, and I tossed my racket uh, on my bag, and my dad made me run laps until I would never do that again. That's And I, like, I've never thrown my pickleball paddle. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's circa that uh, miracle moment when the coach is telling them again until they get it in their heads that they're playing for something greater uh but but that's important i think um to to understand that yeah that sportsmanship and integrity um so they definitely uh they taught me some great lessons yeah so the older you get you're thinking high school and college um you know that's the route for you and you don't want to go in the air force so what are you thinking like what are your interests outside of sport and you know the dream of becoming a professional tennis player might still be around but Sometimes someday the reality kicks in, right? For most of us, that's not going to happen. So, yeah. what's the route from there? Um, I was very fortunate. Uh, you know, I worked hard in school. My parents taught me to work, do my best at everything. Whether my best was, you know, last place in a tournament or first, or a, a C on a test or an A, um, you do your best. And uh, so I worked hard in school. I had very good grades. Um, and so my original plan was to go, you know, D1 tennis, um, play in college for four years, and then see what happens. You know, get a good education. That was kind of my backup at that point, um, and then pursue, kind of pursue that path. But definitely go to college um, and play a sport. And at, at the time, the sport was tennis. Mm -hmm. Where did you go to college? Uh, I went to Yale University. 
pretty big time, right? Yeah. Obviously, you had the grades for it yes. to go to Yale too. Yeah. Uh, was there a lot of pressure on, on you, kind of not not to play, but like from an ac- academic standpoint as well? Uh, no. So the the how I ended up going to Yale, um, I was playing tennis, and I started to get a little burnt out in okay. it. Um, the uh, as you get more competitive, the uh, culture within the tennis world it, it's um, gets a little cutthroat. Mm-hmm. And um, I really, you know, I missed having kind of that team aspect. I was always part of a team. And uh, I decided to, um, you know, run track with some of my friends just to do some cross training. And I ran track my junior year of high school and ended up making states in the 400 my first year. And I was really excited. It was, uh, you know, it was great, great experience. And I remember my first ever track race, I ran the 100, which I had no business running, found that out. Um, But I crossed the line and I don't even remember what place I finished. I think I was dead last. And all the girls hugged each other across the finish line after they were done. And that was wild to me because in tennis, you have mortal enemies. You don't like the person that beats you. They don't like you if you beat them. And I loved that. And so it was such just like a refreshing experience. And so um, that was my junior, you know, junior spring. And so that summer, as I'm looking at um, colleges to get recruited for tennis, uh, my dad was the one that actually looked up Yale's track times and Harvard's track times and uh, said, hey, Jenna, I think, I think you could run for this school, you know, some of these Ivy Leagues if you wanted to. And so totally on a whim, I emailed all the Ivy Leagues with my track times from one season and uh, went on recruiting visits to, to several of them, uh, contact, got, was talking to Harvard coach, Yale coach, Brown coach, um, and uh, got, a, got an offer from Yale. Sick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, why did, what, what was like the reasoning behind kind of dad just saying Ivy League? Like, what was that? Instead of like, I mean, because generally the Ivy League teams aren't the greatest teams athletically, mm-hmm. right? But like other, other you know, there's obviously like, I mean, who was the best? Who was, who's the best D1 tennis team right now? Yeah, I mean. Or you, track team. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, you have like Oregon's amazing track team. Right. Um, you know, I looked at Penn State for tennis, Villanova for tennis. Yeah. So, you know, some PA schools. Um, and uh, I think at that point, you know, I knew he could see I was getting burnt out a little bit on tennis and I knew, you know, I wasn't doing tennis full time, wasn't doing online schooling. So at that point I kind of knew I probably wasn't going pro. And I think my parents just saw how much I loved track. Right. Um, and they've always been great about giving me, you know, giving me options and then, but letting me decide. And what really ended up happening is, uh, if I ask you right now, do you want to go play tennis? You'll probably say yes, right, for fun. If I ask you, do you want a max effort sprint of 400? Answer's probably no. Absolutely not. So, yeah, I just had lunch. So, yes. Yeah. So, I kind of, uh, I guess, you know, at 18, I'm, I'm proud of myself for making a mature decision. But uh, I think I thought, you know, this is the time to, let's see how fast I can run for four years. Yeah. And I can always go back to tennis. Yeah. Um, again, pickleball had no, there was, you know, that wasn't in the picture right now. But, um yeah, I, I thought this is a time to run track, and man, Yale, uh, what a great opportunity to be able to go to that school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me about that first day on campus then. What's that like? Uh, it, still, it still hit me that I'd walk around and I'd have those moments where I'd think, man, I'm at Yale. This is pretty freaking cool. Uh, I always compare it, and it's, my friends give me a hard time, but uh, it's very much like Hogwarts. There's houses uh, just like that. Uh, I was uh, put in a Silliman. We joked it was Slytherin. We're not the, we're not the bad one, though. Um, but it was fun. I love the community, the camaraderie. Um, I think it's 85 or 90% of Yale students stay on campus all four years. So I lived in the dorm all four years, ran track all four years. Um, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Well, some of your best memories or best stories or worst memories. Tell me some times from, from spending four years of college. Oh, man. Uh, the the Harvard-Yale game was called The Game. Um, that's uh, every four, you know, every year, the four years there, that was a great experience. Um, we, uh, we lost every time I was there, but uh, we always got off the week. Uh, it was the, the weekend before Thanksgiving, and Harvard uh, students always had to go back uh, to school. And so it was a really big bragging chant that we didn't have to go back to school on Monday and Tuesday. And at the Ivy League, you know, that's like a really, really big dig. Yeah. Um, but I love that experience. Um, I actually joined a, a sorority there, uh, Kappa Kappa Gamma. Um, it was great, not your typical like Southern sorority. We did a lot of charity work, um, man, like community stuff, like academic uh, groups. And then uh, I really found my love of geology at Yale. Okay. That was, uh, that's where that started. Yeah. 
before you get find your love of geology, what was the plan at school? What, what, were you, what did you think your major was going to be? So one of the things I loved about Yale is you can come in undecided. Yeah. Um, they're a liberal arts school, uh, so they, you know, variety of classes. Um, and I loved math and science. I, I, was, I just enjoyed that. Um, so I originally started uh, down the environmental engineering route. That was kind of the, let's take the prereqs, um, let's knock those out. But I started with math and science classes mostly. Okay. And then that leads into your love. How did you find that? So my first environmental engineering class, uh, I enjoyed it, but it has uh, had a lot to do with um, wastewater and sewage. Yeah. And just might be my opinion, but that's not a really exciting field of study. And sounds terrible. Yeah, I was <laughs> thinking, do I really want to study sewage for my entire life? Yeah. So started to have some second guesses, and um, one of the guys on the track team had the same path where he started off environmental engineering and switched to geology. I said, hey Jenna, why don't you why don't you take a geology class? Take this one called Global Tectonics. Um, I think you'll really like it. Well, uh, it was sophomore spring, I took that class, so I had all my prereqs done, and that class goes to Barbados over spring break. Sick. We stayed right on the beach in cabanas, um, ha- you know, our professors are there, we're snorkeling, obviously doing a lot of really hard, intense work, sure. um, but man, when you're sitting on a beach, uh, you know, in Barbados, hanging out with all your fellow students, discussing corals and snorkeling, yeah, that was. I said I could. I could be a geologist. This sounds great. Let's let's do this for a career. Yeah, I happily do that for the rest <laughs> of my life. Yeah. So that uh, that class is known as the Gateway class uh, in our geology department. Um, but yeah, that the I've loved my geology classes ever since. I took pretty much every geology class Yale had to offer. Um, I've gotten to because of geology. Uh, I did research trips to San Salvador. Um, I spent a summer doing research in Africa. Um, I mean, it's been incredible. I've loved every second of it. Uh, You said that was the gateway class. What was the the other great experiences you've had then? You mentioned obviously traveling in Africa and El Salvador, but like what's the other, I mean, has it ever, was that the peak of like, hey, I'm on a beach snorkeling or have you done that since? Oh, I've definitely done it multiple times since, yes. Um, They didn't trick you. No, no. Now, you know, I ended up in West Texas uh, sitting in front of a computer most of the time. So maybe a little bait and switch. Um, but no, it's been a, it's been an incredible experience. Uh, one thing I loved at Yale, you have small classes, um, but like my mineralogy class, there is me and two other students working with a professor. So, I mean, you get a, a great education there. It's really hands-on. The group's really close-knit. So I just, I love that aspect of the geology uh, department at Yale. Um, the f- professors were incredible. Um, and then I even had an opportunity um, one of my professors was working uh, on a project in Namibia and Angola, and um, he actually needed me to fly out early. Um, he had uh, uh, some paperwork that he had forgotten, so I flew out early uh, and ended up traveling around and got to see Victoria Falls, uh, went whitewater rafting on the Zambezi River, um, and then spent about a month uh, with two other grad students um, in Namibia uh, doing a bunch of research there on paleomagnetism, which is the movement of continents. Yeah. Uh, nothing to do with oil and gas, once again. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I got that was I got Such. to go on a safari. I mean, it's been incredible. It's taken me so many places, yeah. and I, I love being able to appreciate when I travel. You know, yeah. the places that I'm at. The one thing that kind of comes to my mind and is when you think of geology, it's also like the layers and the history, right? Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever dove into that stuff? Like, the ain't. Have you seen uh, Graham Hancock's uh, series on Netflix called Ancient Apocalypse? Mm, no, I've, but I've heard of it, okay. yes. Like, that's the stuff that fascinates me, because it's kind of like, you know, you're digging down, you're finding all this cool stuff. and Yeah, I always like to say, if I describe my job, regardless of oil and gas, I am putting together a puzzle 10,000 feet under the ground. Yeah. That's, you know, you're, the rocks are telling you a story, and you have to figure out what they're saying, and yeah. I love that. It's a, yeah, a puzzle is a great way to explain it to the, me and other people like who have no idea about geology. But yeah, that's obviously extremely valuable to an oil and gas company too, which is why you'll always have a job. Yes, hopefully. Uh, ho- well, hopefully. I think you will, yeah. Um, cool. So you graduate Yale and you said you go straight into working for EOG. Uh, Yale and then Texas Tech. Sorry, yeah. Okay, so why did you decide then to go to Tech? So I... Um Actually, through uh, through tennis uh, is how I ended up kind of in oil and gas and then Texas Tech. Um, so as I mentioned, I still continue to teach tennis. So even though I was running track, um, tennis has always been a part of my life. 
and um, I had a connection of one of the students that I taught. His dad works um, at Occidental Petroleum, an oil and gas company in Houston. And so through that connection, I was able to get interviewed, had an internship in Houston. That put me into oil and gas. And uh, I loved it. I loved, the, again, the kind of teamwork. I'm working now with engineers. Um, you're getting to do a puzzle, but then you also get to find out if you're right or wrong when the, when the well is drilled. Um, so I really enjoyed, enjoyed that fast-paced environment. And as you might imagine, uh, Yale is not necessarily a oil and gas school, uh, maybe a little bit on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, so since I knew I wanted to go into oil and gas, uh, I had to go to probably a little bit more of a Southern-focused school. Okay. Uh, and um, my uh, roommate for my internship, she was a petroleum engineer at Texas Tech. And she got me connected with the structural, uh, geolo- uh, uh, structural geology professor at Tech. And he actually uh, used to run ultra marathons and was a very big athlete. And she told me, I think, you know, he's a little intense and a little little crazy. And I think you're a little intense and a little crazy. I think you guys, I think you'll work well together. Be yes. And uh, in grad school for geology, it's a lot more about the, the project and the professor that you work with. And um, I visited Tech and I loved it immediately. Um, the joke in Lubbock is uh, you either Lubbock or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's nothing there. I'm the <laughs> university, right? But <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, the school was great. Um, uh, so I, I really am very fortunate. I like to think I almost got two experiences. I, you know, had Yale, which was a very unique experience, um, but there was more people probably in the library during football games. Yeah. Um, now, our hockey team was incredible. Yeah. We won our the NCAA championship my junior year. Um, Tech was the other side, right? So I got to go. I got to throw tortillas on the field during football games. A lot of fun. Um, but so I, I got to kind of experience the full both. college experience. I, yeah, I right? like to think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if anyone wants to ask you about like college experience, you like you I feel like you have to, you have more advice and more experience than most. <laughs> so, right? so a wide spectrum. Yeah, definitely. Yes. I've been down to Lubbock a few times, and I haven't been to a game there, but uh, I went there for golf once, and then. Um, just kind of driven through and seen this, the stadium looks sick because it's in a bowl. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so you go there, you hit it off with your professor. What's the project you do that year for your uh, master's degree? Yep. So it's a two-year project uh, and, and it was focused on structural geology. Um, I wanted something that was out in the field uh, where I could you know, do both kind of lab and field research. And uh, I worked on the Arbuckle Anticline. So oh, wow. I actually spent a large portion of my time, even though I was at Texas Tech, uh, in Oklahoma, in southern Oklahoma, around Davis. Yeah, it's yep. a good spot. Yeah, I uh, got to very familiar with those roadside cuts. <laughs> how many how many Arbuckle pies do you have? Uh, several froze, uh, yeah, fried pies. Got uh, enjoyed stopping there. Um, my friends now, anytime I take a road trip from Oklahoma to Fort Worth, I point out all the road cuts, and I have my favorite road cuts. So my friends now, oh, Jenna, here goes Jenna. She's going to talk about this road cut and this road cut. So uh, there's a, yeah, it's a good time now. Yeah, It's a good road trip conversation. Yeah, they already know it's coming. (laughs) Yep. So you're doing this grad thing, kind of find that your love for it. And are you still coaching tennis down in Texas Tech or no? Actually, yes. So I coached at a Lubbock Country Club. Okay. So still uh, still teaching tennis. And, um, but I missed track. I missed the weight room. I missed, um, again, tennis is very solo sport. And I missed that team aspect. And one of the guys that worked at uh, Lubbock Country Club, he um, did CrossFit. And this was still when CrossFit kind of was it's like Zumba. It's a fad. Yeah. Um, and going to get hurt. Yeah. I'm like, no, yeah. I'm good. Uh, he convinced me to go to one class. And um, I instantly loved it. And that's where uh, my CrossFit career took off. Okay. What's, what did you love about CrossFit then? Other than, I guess, you know, we've talked a little bit about community. There's that aspect. But then, obviously, there's part of you that's an athlete as well. And yeah. that challenges you, like yourself, in CrossFit. I love the competition. Um, when I was little, my dad and I, we'd race to the car, race up the stairs, try to throw the trash in the trash can. I mean, everything was a competition. And I... It was more whether or not the win or lose. It was just competing. I love competing. And that's what CrossFit is. It's just the love of competition. Um, And it's also just positive people. I mean, you typically, like, you don't find miserable people choosing to do burpees. Like, that's just not, like, burpees are miserable enough. You don't typically also add in misery on top of that. Uh, So I I loved that aspect of it. It was just positive people that love competing. Yeah. 
and every day when you jump in the CrossFit gym is competing because you're competing with yourself. Totally. Yeah. Right? It's, are you better than the you yesterday? Are you yeah. 1% better? Um, and again, like you can have a good day, a bad day there, but you showed up and you know, the, the, we always say, make that the best hour of your day. Right. Um, and part of me too, you know, my, my path, I, I feel like I, sometimes I pick challenging paths. Um, and, uh, but I enjoy that, but it also gives you, CrossFit gives you confidence. Um, you know, I am in the oil and gas industry, which is typically a male dominated field. Um, but man, when you go and get up at 5am and, and crush a workout and you, you're deadlifting and racing and you're, you're around people that support you. And then you go, have to go make a presentation at work. Yeah. You're, you're like, I got it. That's easy. Right. I can do this. Um, so it definitely, I've seen it build up my confidence and then, um, as I've gotten into coaching it, I mean, especially females in CrossFit build up their confidence. And that's a really exciting thing to be a part of. No, you're totally right. Um, what, where does the, when, when do you then do your first CrossFit event? My first CrossFit event uh, was in West Texas. Um, I competed uh, just in an individual competition. Um, yeah, and had a great time. I ended up placing uh, in the you know, lower division. Um, but uh but I loved it. You know, I, I, I like the individual competitions. I've done that a couple times, um, but I've enjoyed the, the team competitions more. Uh, that's a lot more, on, again, on the communication. Uh, there's a little bit more strategy to it. I kind of like that side of it. Um, and again, success is sweeter when you share it, right? Oh, 100%. So, yeah. yeah. Where, what is your kind of favorite part of CrossFit? Like, I, I, I mean the workout as far as, obviously, community is great, but, like, what is your favorite and what are you the best at, do you think? Uh, I'm the best at running. Okay. Which, uh, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a given. It's great now, too, because most people here don't know that I'm a track athlete. Uh, and so, and most CrossFitters hate running. Yeah. And so whenever there's a running and a workout, and if it's a new person, they're like, man, you're kind of weirdly good at this. I'm like, well... Yeah, I ran for four years yeah. in college. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm a runner in college. Yeah, yeah. sorry about that. <laughs> um, so I enjoy the cardio aspect of it. Um, man, yeah, I'm not a good gymnast, um, but I, I like that there's something you can always get better at. You know, there's uh, it's, it's very humbling every day, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you can always work at something. Yeah. There's, I mean, for as long as we've been chatting for now, there's a reoccurring theme, and you did say it a minute ago about you just like choosing the challenging path. What do you attribute that to? Like, who do you think that, where does that come from and why do you keep doing that? Um, man, uh, I don't know. I think I truly am a, like a real extrovert. I, I like meeting new people. I'm the person on the plane that I enjoy having a conversation with someone. Now I do notice when they put their headphones on, I'm like, okay, I'll stop talking. They're, they're done now. Um, but yeah, I think it's like I said, I think being an only child, um, I've had to adapt and uh, my parents prepared me really well for that. Um, and, you know, being in new situations, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. I think I actually thrive in new situations and, and seeking out adventure. Because um, you never know what you can do until you try. Um, but I've also, you know, that there is that that fear of failure. I'm, I'm very fortunate that it's, you know, it's okay to fail. And that doesn't necessarily hold me back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope I can pass that on to others where it's, it's okay to try something and fail because you might not fail. And you fail is that really the worst thing that happens yeah yeah the coach in you right wants to kind of pass that on and and clearly keep that you know keep that as a core lesson to whether it's tennis pickleball or crossfit like teaching people because i think kids grow up today and i mean i'm i'm guilty of it too like none of us like losing or failing but it's just a mind shift like Mm -hmm. no it's better because i you know am i better than the person i was yesterday right you kind of switch your mind to think that way and you're like oh yeah I don't mind losing today because I know I've got a little bit better exactly it's the it's the switching your mindset from you know are you okay being a big fish in a small pond or hey let's why don't you go check out that bigger pond and you might be a small fish for a while but you also could end up being big fish yeah. or you could you know meet other fish big fish that are just as cool as you if not better and surround yourself with those people mm-hmm. you know they're going to make you even better and you're, hopefully you're going to make them better yeah no totally agree so you're finish up grad school at Texas Tech and then that's when you go work then obviously for EOG and then slowly a couple of years later you end up getting the job in Oklahoma City. Yep I uh, was five years with EOG Resources in Midland um, working there really enjoyed it and then um, you know was ready for a change and a transfer spot uh, came open in Oklahoma City and uh, they moved me here, and I've loved it ever since. Yeah. Were you coaching CrossFit before you moved, or did you start that when you got here? I was. I coached okay. at a, a gym in Midland. Um, really enjoyed that. Became really involved in the community there. 
And then when I moved here, um, I had a, a coworker that actually moved here ahead of me, and uh, she told me, "Hey, you got to check out Coda. They're um, they're a great gym, great community, and um, man, it's uh, they're incredible. They have their own. I was certified to coach CrossFit through you know the larger CrossFit affiliate. Um, they have their own coaches development program. It's a four month program." And uh, they take you through kind of their expectation, ideals, goals, um, coaching methodology. And uh, so I did that, you know, co- worked out with them, went through the course, and then started coaching with them uh, here. Yeah. Was that Bryce and Jared? At, Bryce and Jared. At, uh, HQ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's, um, they put on the podcast, it was a long time ago, uh, at HQ, actually, before we did video. We'll have to go back and listen to that one. It was a while ago. Uh, yeah, those two. Because it's funny because Jared come from the golf world. Yep. And it's not someone you think is going to be savage uh, doing ultramarathons and lifting weights, but he is. Yeah, so Jared, I mean, yeah, he ultramarathon lifts weights. And then Bryce, obviously, on the other side, too. Bryce, military, so actually Air Force background yeah. uh, as well. And so they're, I mean, they're amazing leaders of the community, um, great coaches, great programming. And really, that's, I, I feel like... Um, when I moved to Oklahoma, I mean, that became my community. Yes, you know, work is great, but um, the people that I met there, that solidified this, I can make Oklahoma my home. Yeah, and you continued to compete this whole time as well? Yes, so I've uh, actually had multiple surgeries. I tore my ham, uh, hamstring senior year of college in track. Yeah. Uh, not fun, um, so. While running? Uh, yeah, uh, in this, my last season. Oh. Um, but, uh, you know, cross, I got back into that, back into shape with CrossFit. And then um, I actually had a shoulder surgery from the years of tennis. Um, so recovered from that. And then I had to have knee surgery from pickleball. So weirdly, none of my injuries actually have come from CrossFit. Um, they've, CrossFit's actually helped rehabil- like rehabilitate me um, and keep me strong. Yeah. Uh, so on and off competing through all that, um, but slowly transitioning more, I'd say, you know, comp- um, competing on a team and then uh, working towards um, kind of staying in shape, training for pickleball. Yeah. So when does pickleball enter the, uh, enter the, the kind of chat? Then? Yeah. So I loved, I love tennis, um, but that shoulder surgery really put me back um, on the serve, especially. It's a lot of overhead motion. And um, I was kind of bummed because I, I loved tennis. Uh, and w- uh, one of my friends said, hey, I think you might like the sport pickleball. And my parents had talked about it. And again, it's a trend here that happened with CrossFit. I'm like, no, it kind of looks lame. I don't, I don't think so. A bunch of old people playing. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's fine. Um, and we actually had a group at work that would go hit together once, um, once a week at lunch. Okay. And that was just a lot of smacking the ball and almost more like therapy. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. An excuse good to team, have a beer. Team bonding. Yeah, uh, yeah it was good. Um, so I started playing probably during like the COVID time, I think when a lot of people picked it up. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved it. And uh, I entered my first tournament with some friends and I uh, had no clue what I was doing. Um, ended up winning the singles tournament um, at like an amateur level, which qualified me for nationals at an amateur level. I didn't even know it qualified me. I got the notification. I was, I don't even know what nationals is. Um, and so I slowly started playing amateur tournaments. And so when I moved to Oklahoma city, I kind of kept that up. I, um, you know, just started moving up in, in pickleball, there's levels. And so the highest amateur level is five Oh, it goes up by half a point. And so I just slowly started, I started at three, five, four Oh, four, five, and then five Oh. And I won a couple 5-0 tournaments in mixed, women's doubles, um, and, and singles. And so one of my friends said, hey, why don't you, why don't you just play a pro tournament? See what happens. Right. Uh, and so my first pro tournament, let's see, was in Texas in um, the spring of 2022. So that was my first pro tournament. Okay. So fairly recently. Though. Yes. Yeah. Did anyone know when they, start, when, when they got you into um, pickleball, did they know that you played tennis before? No, most or was it like a surprise, like the like the running part? Yes, I think most people, my, my close friends knew, but people that I play because everyone always asked in pickleball, since there is a lot of um, people transitioning from collegiate tennis to pickleball, they ask where I played in college. My answer is I ran in college, yeah. so then everyone automatically assumes, okay, she didn't play tennis. Yeah. Like, I had a tennis racket in my hand since I was about eight. You just didn't ask the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you. So. Yeah. So uh, I, I joke that it's, it's my secret weapon. They're like, man, this track athlete's kind of has weird, really good hand-eye coordination. <laughs> yeah, there's there, that's the thing, right? People don't ask the right questions. And slowly talking to you now, like there's a lot to you, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of things. Like you know, like you said, you have a lot of part-time jobs. And, yes. You know, CrossFit, tennis, pickleball, mm-hmm. running track. Um, geology and all the other stuff like I'm sure there's plenty more too uh, it sounds like you're 
guilty of really taking on a lot of things because you just want to do more. And I enjoy it. I mean, I find I'm happiest when I'm I'm very busy. Okay. Um, I feel like I I've actually perform better when I have uh, my plate full, mm-hmm. um, and I'm very fortunate. I I love absolutely everything I do. Um, there's not one thing that I would trade or give up or do less. I I love my job. I love my coworkers. I mean, even, you know, I joke that I sit in front of a computer all day, but it's a puzzle. Um, and again, my coworkers are great. And even my job, I've gotten to travel to California to study rocks. I've gotten to travel to Banff and Canada to study rocks with my job. Um, it's, I mean, it's taken me some incredible places. Have you seen that skit, the comedian? He's like, I like rocks. Have you seen that? Yes. How many times have you seen that? A Way lot. Too many times. Pretty much all my friends it's have sent it to me at some point. Ever. Yes. If you're, if you're listening and you haven't seen that, please find it. I don't know how you find it, but it's a, a guy who's on stage and the panel asking him questions. And he's like, carries around. <laughs> Do you like, like, I like rocks. I got yes. one in my pocket. Yes. Oh, it's the it's, uh, thing ever. I think geology has uh, some of the, the best puns or the most puns. Yes, for sure. You know, we just, we really don't take anything for granted. Yeah. 100%, right? Yeah. You got just an entire book of dad jokes. Yes. yes. So tell me a little bit about, because I have no idea, and I'm sure people listening have no idea either, about like what the professional level of pickleball looks like since it's kind of recent in Oklahoma City in the last few years, and obviously we have chicken and pickle, but mm-hmm. now you know we can get into that and, and kind of obviously your side of things, what you're launching as well, what you've launched. Um, but what does that look like for you, know, for you as a professional athlete now? in the pickleball world? Yeah, so um, I like to compare it either to, if if people are familiar with the tennis circuit, um, or actually probably be more uh, comparable to the golf circuit, um, where there's tournaments throughout the year that are located at different places across the U.S. Um, The U.S. is the hub for it. Australia, it's getting pretty big there. Um, But a lot of players that are top, we have uh, several Canadians that are top, um, some people from Germany and some Australians and a few other countries. but it is very much similar to the golf circuit where you have bigger majors, smaller majors. Um, you have to have enough points, pro points, in order to get into the draw. So, you know, the top athletes don't need to play all the tournaments. Um, and then the um, tournament structure is based. You have the singles, um, so individual, right, just like tennis in that sense. You have mixed doubles, so a guy and a girl versus a guy and a girl, and then same gender doubles, men's and women's doubles. Um, and so each of them goes, plays throughout the week, and then championship Sunday, um, they have the, the finals for all of the, all the tournaments. Um, so it's very much a kind of... Um, you have to set your own schedule. There's not a set season. There's not, you're not assigned to a team. Um, so that's where, uh, as a pro athlete, um, until you, I'd say you're like the top, you know, top couple in the world, um, you are your own typically coach, your own travel agent. Um, but the, because of that, the community becomes very tight knit. Um, so, you know, once a month I get to meet up with friends that I've made all across the U S and we meet at these tournaments and we're playing against each other with each other. Um, a lot of my women's doubles, partners I've played against them and mixed or another women's doubles and we have a great battle and then we decide hey we're gonna let's let's team up and see if we can play well together in the next yeah. tournament uh, is there ever an opportunity for you to not work and do this full-time uh, not right now okay so the the financial side of it um, the tournaments are fairly expensive to enter um, and even if you I'd say you probably have to medal so first second or third every tournament um, to end up making some money but um, you know there, and there's sponsorships um, it is growing um, I'm my current uh, sponsor ace pickleball um, they're incredible they're great um, but again it's it's not a again let's go back in time where like golf was yeah, years yeah, ago where yeah. the top you know five to ten athletes in the world they're making it a full-time job right. most other pickleball athletes that say they do it full-time also work at a country club they teach on the side okay. um, they're running camps they're doing lessons yeah. um, and then there's several of us that still have a, a you know a day job yeah. um, and again I'm very fortunate that I, I really do love my love my job so yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned um, the paddle that you gave me, and, and you mentioned there you, your sponsor, um, Ace. Tell me about um, what that was like when they reached out. Were they your first sponsor? Uh, no. So I started with Selkirk, which okay. is a bigger company, bigger yeah. pickleball company, and they, they were great to start with. Um, and then one of their um, one of Ace's um, employees, she does a lot of the marketing, social media. Um, I've played with her, and she told their owner, like, hey, I think you should get Jenna. I think she's uh, I think she's an up-and-coming. This is before I won my first pro medal. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's like, I think, think you'd be a good team. And... Um, they're based out of Charleston, South Carolina, 
and uh, the owner is a former tennis player and uh, talked to him and we set up a, a one-year contract and I've they've been great um, so I was really fortunate um, it's a smaller team um, but it's uh, it's quality paddles and I if I could call the owner right now and tell him hey I'm on a podcast yeah. that's awesome oh, um, so they yeah it's a great team to be a part of yeah well thank you for the gift because I, now yes. I have no excuses exactly you have, <laughs> have to get on the court now uh, tell me about that first pro win and, and the successes you've had since you turned pro as well yeah, so um, I've reached several uh, fourth place uh, results in singles. Um, typically, tennis players have a better time transitioning to singles. It's more similar. Uh, doubles is definitely more challenging. It's a very different strategy and you know, more variables, right? More people on the court. Uh, so in singles, um, I made the finals back in April uh, in Cincinnati and lost in the finals. And then um, I made the last term of the year. Um, I actually wasn't even going to be able to make it potentially because of work. So it was a last minute decision to go up to Chicago in December and play the indoor uh, national championships. And my flight landed in Chicago at about 1 a.m. And I was supposed to play at 8 a.m. And uh, man, I remember uh, thinking, you know, I can't control this. Uh, We're just gonna make the best of it. I remember walking through the Chicago airport and it was totally empty. Christmas music is playing. It was actually really gorgeous and peaceful. And I remember thinking how lucky and fortunate I am to do this. I use my vacation hours from work to go play pickleball. Like that's that's pretty cool. And so I just had this kind of attitude of, um, uh, of gratitude and thankfulness. And I just said, every point's an opportunity. We'll just see what happens. And uh, I made it all the way through to the finals and played on championship Sunday and um, won in a tiebreaker. And my opponent was so gracious. It was a really fun match. Um, hugged each other afterwards. Um, and man, it was, uh, it was a really satisfying end to, the, to my pro year last year. That's really cool. Uh, has mom and dad got to see you play? They have, yes. They've gotten to see me play in person a couple times, and then they watched. Uh, that was uh, the match was on ESPN Plus, so they got to watch the oh, watch the finals online. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of cool yeah. to be like, hey, you know, even though they like raised you as a tennis player, they probably didn't think you'd be playing pickleball, but now they're. Yeah, you know, watching you on on TV. It's, uh, it's a really it's, cool moment. It's kind of come full circle, yeah. And again, you know, I thought, hey, I could play tennis my whole life. I joke now, it's kind of right and wrong at the same time. It's not tennis, but it's still still a racket paddle in my hand. Yeah. Are they competing too? So they still they play tennis a bunch. I don't okay. think I could ever convert them. Okay. Uh, but they do still play. They've started to slowly play pickleball more. Yeah. Um, they were the ones that actually first introduced me to it. Um, but uh, I think they'll. My mom loves tennis. It's gonna, so, yeah. yeah. Be a tra- there will be inevitably be a transition at some yes. point, but yeah, I'm sure they're gonna play tennis as long as they can. Yes. So tell me about then the opportunity that you've seen in Oklahoma City then to launch this new league that you're launching or have launched. Sorry. Yeah. So um, pickleball, as everyone knows, it's growing. I think the favorite quote that pickleball players like to say is, "It's the fastest growing sport in America." Yeah. It's all we can tell people. It's um, true, though. <laughs> right. It is true. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, man, it's a uh, and I joke too, it's a little bit like CrossFit where once you're in it, like you're addicted to it and you love it. Um, so I am a member of both cults. Uh, but yeah, there's, um, man, pickleball is growing and I think it's um, it's a really easy entry sport. Um, you can have a pro player play with someone that literally just grabbed a paddle and has never walked onto a court and you can have a fun time. So that's really unique about it. So it brings people together from all walks of life, all ability levels, all ages. The number one girl in the world right now is 16 years old. Um, and then people always think, Oh, it's, you know, senior citizens that are playing it. Um, but not only that, we have a a senior league that's called the champions league. Um, so it's a 50 plus we have senior pros. So, I mean, again, it's accessible to everybody. So here in Oklahoma, um, I have my group that I train with. The uh, the main the other guy that I hit with, his name's Chris Hayworth. He's um, one of the top ten singles players, also in, in coming up in the world. I mean, oh, he's wow. top he's right here. Yeah, he's top five on the APP tour. I'm top ten. Um, we play mixed doubles together. So he's. Uh, tennis player, converted pickleball player. So we have two really good pros in Oklahoma. And then we also have, you know, about three other players that also play pro in Oklahoma that no one knows about. Yeah. Who are those three? Are those uh, so Chase Holderman um, also plays. He's uh, a joke. He's one of the few that's a CrossFit and pickleball player. Yeah. So he plays pro. Uh, Kale Hammond, um, his first name is Brian. Uh, he's in Tulsa. And then a girl, Alex Moody, um, that just played her first pro tournament down in Florida um, at the same one that I was at. So um, we have five pro players here. And uh, with Oklahoma, we only have one pro sports team. 
um, right, which you know thunder super fun games. Um, but there's an opportunity now for another another pro sports well, team. One that we actually watch, right? Because there's that's fair. Baseball and but, but soccer there, and Tulsa and baseball and hockey, but no one really watches that. Right, so. and there's no there's no major no one that people take notice of. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, the rest of Oklahoma team sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could get a, a football team here, so people don't cheer for Dallas. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think you know the the markets there where yeah. um, we don't have a ton of pro you know venues to go watch pro athletes, um, and we actually have the talent here. So there was a league that was started in Arizona um, where they have, they brought in the pro players from the area and they basically put on like a showcase and they have a team, they set up a league um, and it's been incredibly successful. Um, So instead of saying, hey, let's go to a Thunder game or let's go watch a baseball game, you're going to go watch a pro pickleball league. Um, It's team oriented. And so the teams still play doubles, but you have, you know, matches against each other. and it's it's been highly successful, and it's really entertaining. If you've never watched a doubles uh, pickleball match, um, there's a the ball moves so fast. We call them firefights when you're swinging the ball back and forth, paddle back and forth, and the ball's flying across the net. Um, it gets pretty intense. It's more similar the energy I would say to like an indoor volleyball match versus tennis. Um, there's a lot more chirping. There's you know it's um, the court's smaller, so the energy is pretty intense, and. Uh, that model's been so successful. I thought, man, we could we could start that here in uh, in Oklahoma, and so we uh, we've created uh, myself and I've had several other people that have helped with with the project and the league, um, the Oklahoma Premier Pickleball League, and that is based out of Prairie Ales. Uh, they've been gracious gracious enough to uh, to host us. Yeah. And you had your first event? No, the weather ruined, didn't it? Everybody so we postponed. It? Okay. Yes, so our first opening night was supposed to be last Monday, yeah. um, but it's this Monday, okay. uh, January 29th, will be our opening night, and yeah. it'll be um, a seven-week season. So every Monday for the next seven weeks. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Okay, and does it cost money to come and watch it? Uh, it's $10. Okay. Uh, the proceeds go to the players in the league, and you get a free beer sample with it. Yeah, and wh- how many games will be on each night, and what's the like the league look like? Yeah, so there's four teams. Uh, we have the Wolves, the Barracudas, the Jaguars, and the Sharks. Okay. So you can cheer for your favorite team or favorite animal. Um, and there's four matches that are played each night. So each team will play. You'll have you'll see, say, the, the Sharks take on the Barracudas. And it'll be two men's doubles matches, two mixed doubles matches. So each team has three guys and one girl. Um, and so if a team wins 3-1 or 4-0, you'll just watch the four matches. If the team split those games 2-2, uh, we're going to have something called an Oklahoma Showdown, which is a singles match to 21 points, and every player only plays four points, and you rotate. Oh, nice. Um, so you might have a guy matched up against a girl, yeah. a guy matched up against a guy, um, the two girls matched up against each other, um, and so that'll be kind of like the tiebreaker match. Typically, how long does a match take? Uh, so a single, um, in a tournament, a single uh, match uh, probably takes anywhere from 15 at most 30 minutes Um, but that's usually you play if if you're familiar with tennis you call them sets but we call them games in pickleball you typically play best two out of three games to 11 points Um, you can only win points on your serve since we're doing um, four total matches um, we're just going to play one game to 15 okay so I'd say a, a match against two teams would take about an hour to get yeah, through yeah. four four games. Yeah. What's, um, I mean, obviously this is kind of new venture and stuff for you guys and something that's super exciting. And, you know, I'm not surprised after listening to you talk that you've started this and been a part <laughs> of something because clearly you're very intelligent and switched on, but you also have a, a love for sports and competing, which is back to what you said with you know your dad it was always a competition with something mm-hmm. you have you're a lot more competitive than most people um but i love that like i love people who are competitive i love that drive and i think everybody should somehow learn how to develop that drive even if they're just competing with themselves mm-hmm. competitive people are just fun more fun to be around um unless you lose and you don't like to be around competitive people but that's up to you where do you want this to go where do you want the the pickleball league to go and, and have this kind of you know 
sustain and, and you know have a have a legacy, I guess, for pickleball in Oklahoma City. Yeah. So I mean, one, um, bring awareness to the, the talent that we have here. Um, I would love to make Oklahoma City be considered a, a pro pickleball hub. Um, I think it's a great location. It's you know central U.S. So ab- available to get to multiple different you know other destinations. Um, but I would love to just be bring awareness to the talent that we have here. Um, again, for, and get more people involved in the sport. Again, if people think it's, oh, just for seniors or it's just a silly game, um, have them come and watch and, and introduce them to the sport. And say, this is fun. I could, I could play this. Um, and then the other aspect of it is I would love for this league, as I mentioned, you know, it's $10 a ticket. Um, we're looking to get several sponsors. We have an apparel sponsor that's based in California, actually. So she's providing us with jerseys. We have an online store set up. Proceeds, some of those proceeds also go to the league. Um, but I would love for this league to fund um, the pro players that play on it, fund their pickleball careers. Um, if it could provide um, some funds for them to go play several pro tournaments. Um, and especially, again, obviously I'm biased on the, on the female athletes, but this is an opportunity to get more females in the sport and say, hey, this if you play in this league, it'll fund your ability to go go try a couple, couple pro tournaments. You might surprise yourself. It gives them that confidence to, to go do that. Um, and so I'd love, again, I'd love for that uh, you know, to start there and then ultimately, again, have this be a hub, grow it, um, add some additional teams. And uh, if on Monday nights, if you tell, hey, we're going to have a boys night out and we're going to go watch pro pickleball. Um, and that's what you do on Monday nights in Oklahoma City um, and have it be a staple of Oklahoma City. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, why not? Right. Because like, there's really not much that we do on Monday nights in <laughs> Oklahoma City anyway. Uh, you mentioned kind of the men's and women's pickleball is the ratio kind of very skewed towards the men's game then men's side it is um i think a lot there's a lot more uh, male athletes in the pickleball world um i'd say especially singles and, and i really think a lot of that is because um again singles players typically have come from tennis or are starting to and you know as i mentioned i got burnt out with tennis prior to college i think a lot of women do tend to get burnt out just i mean it's intense it's tough um and I'd like to, you know, tell everyone that's listening, pickleball is not tennis, and, and I've, I've, I still love tennis. I am watching the Australian Open right now, um, but the pickleball community is so supportive, and um, man, they just create such a great atmosphere. Um, you know, I've, like I said, the girl I played in the finals, the one I lost to, and the one that I beat, uh, we still message all the time. We say hi to each other at tournaments. Like we actually are friends. Yeah. Um, and so I think there is a little bit of um, that transition that. Um, you know, potentially maybe it's a little bit easier on the, on the male side of the circuit. Um, and then in general, I think this is true for all sports. It is more tough for females to get sponsorships. Um, but I will have to say most people that watch pickleball, they think women's doubles is the most exciting out of all of them because it's the fastest. Yeah. It's the most intense. Um, so that's really do, where I love pickleball is you can p- pretty much play in an even playing field, uh, mixed doubles, men's and women's. Um, I think there's an opportunity there to have, you know, all of our, all the prize money is equal pay. Um, already, which yeah. is great. You, yeah. you know, women aren't having to fight for that like they've had to do in most sports. Um, most televised um, events, they don't just televise the men. They alternate you know, men's, women's singles, which goes first, um, the different storylines. Um, so it's, it is really uh, exciting um, opportunity for women. So I, I think it'll grow and it'll get there yeah. um, as, as the sport continues to grow. Yeah. And there's two like main kind of governing bodies, right? Two main, is that right? The right there's two, it? yeah, there's two tours. Two tours. There's there the PPA and the APP. Okay. Um, and, and again, this kind of goes with any, any sport. Like I compare it to golf, you know, yeah. they have the competing tours, there's the international right. one and, and, you know, hopefully as, as pickleball grows, there'll, there'll be a consensus that, you know, eventually yeah. you'll, you will have to have one governing body. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, um, It'll, it'll get there. Yeah. Is there any kind of main differences between the two or are they just basically just two different leagues? Uh, there's the APP is the one that's been around a little bit longer. Um, I am a top 10 pro in the APP. Yeah. They, I play most of their tournaments. Um, they've been, they've been great. I've really enjoyed theirs. Yeah. Um, the PPA, they've, um, tend to be, I'd say maybe a little bit flashier. Okay. They have aligned themselves with the MLP, which is the team governing body. So there's like a third okay. entity, um, but they're having, you know, merger talks, issues, um, some pros sign with one or the other, okay. so you can only play one. I yeah. can still play both. Um, so it, it'll get there. I mean, there's yeah. not one, some, 
depends on how big the tournament is. One will have more prize money than the other, but again, they they all vary. Um, but it'll it'll get there. Yeah. Back to tennis. Uh, who who do you look up to in the tennis world? And then what are your thoughts on the tennis Netflix show that's out at the moment? Um, Season two's been out now, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, man, I um. I'd say I grew up watching Andre Agassi. Um, He's just, man, a class act. And I loved how he fought for every point. Um, I still remember watching his last match. I mean, it almost brings tears to my eyes. Um, He was going through back pain. Um, Man, he's a legend. And then, uh, you know, Roger Federer is just, uh, I think he always was so composed on the court. it seems like, obviously, I've never met him. Uh, it seems like he uh, um, is. It seems like a great family. You know, good, good father, good husband. Um, so I'd say those two probably most on the on the men's side. And then, um, man, I loved Serena Williams' fire. Yeah, yeah she. Um, she always fought. You can never count her out. Yeah. Um, and she's had multiple times where she's you know been unseated and won. Um, yeah. For the Netflix thing, is it realistic to watch it? Because the go- when I watch the golf one, there's obviously certain things. I'm like, oh, just it's made for TV. Obviously. Yes, yes and no. They okay. they obviously dramatize uh, parts of it, but yeah. yes and no. I kind of like that guy from Australia, mm-hmm. who nobody likes. Yes, right? <laughs> I think he's great. Uh, I mean, people need. There hasn't been a bad boy in tennis since John McEnroe, right? Yes. So people need a bad boy in tennis, and he is that bad boy. In yes. Tennis. Uh, finishing up. Back to, I guess, you know, you currently playing, and, and really, you haven't been professional for that long, so you have a long way to go. You're a coach. You've been a coach your entire life. I mean, you must have... You, you Obviously, being a coach, you see the value in coaching. What are your coaches like? Yeah, so... Um one, I'd say, you know, Bryce and Jared um, are great examples within the CrossFit community that I'm a part of. Uh, they really do lead by example. And then in the pickleball world, um, there's a lady uh, based in Florida, Lee Whitwell. Uh, she just uh, b- transitioned to senior pro, but she's taken both me and Chris under our wing. And uh, she's been, I mean, her on-court IQ is incredible. And she's so supportive. And I love her mindset. And she was on my sideline but my whole finals match. Um, so she's been she's been instrumental. And then I'd have to say um, for the kind of on the business side, um, the the OPPL, uh, Carol Rowles, she owns the OKC Punishers, um, which is the um, kind of senior pro pickleball league that is based in Oklahoma City. Uh, and she's been really helpful and supportive um, and uh yeah, I'm really excited, you know, for that partnership as well. Yeah. So for people listening, how do they, you know, do you guys have a website for the league? How do they go buy tickets kind of like for the next seven weeks? What, uh, how can people find you and how can they come out and get involved? Yeah. So, uh, you can find us on Instagram. It's OPP league. So OPP, you know me, if you mm-hmm. want to yeah. remember that. Um, but yeah, OPP league and, uh, all the information's on there. Uh, tickets will be at the door. So cash or Venmo. Um, and as we get rolling and it grows, you know, we'll have a, have a full blown website, but we're starting there and uh, I think it should be, you know, beneficial for both the, the pro players here in Oklahoma and just the, the city of Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best. Um, I'll put your personal Instagram in the description down below as well as the OPP one so people can go check that out and follow you and reach out if they need any CrossFit pickleball advice or if they just want to talk rocks they can talk rocks with you as well perfect um, yeah I'm excited to see this grow I need to come by and check it out now like I said now I have a paddle so I have no excuses but I need to come and sit and enjoy it and take it all in and learn about it because um, it does feel like a great community and a place to be a part of and there's a lot of crossover I think with probably golfers tennis players and crossfit as well and athletes just to be around it um and there's beer involved too so why not um but yeah thank you so much jen for coming in i really appreciate it um and so for people listening uh we will catch you next episode cheers thank you hope you guys enjoyed that great episode thank you so much for listening as always huge shout out to our sponsors the oklahoma hall of fame sharing oklahoma story through its people since 1927 for more information on the oklahoma hall of fame go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof our other sponsor the chickasaw nation amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them 
do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is presented by Citizens Bank of Edmond. Citizens Bank of Edmond has been serving Edmond since 1901. They pride themselves on investing in the community and are here for all your personal and business banking needs. For more information, go to mycitizens.bank and follow them on Instagram at citizensedmond. As well as go bank there because I bank there too. It's been a fantastic personal experience for me. I've had my podcast account there now, my podcast business account there now for a few, four years now, I think. And it's been fantastic. So definitely worth your time. They're a great group of people and they're always there to answer the phone when I forget my password because I seem to forget it daily. Um, so yeah, go to Citizens Edmund and um, check them out. It's been awesome. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.